now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast from Class to Colts on the Cheese in Between. The movies are beef. Darren Hammond is grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Jacanetti. Joined once again by Dad, Mr. Al Jacanetti. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Because today we're doing uh, some feedbacks, right? Yeah, some listener feedback. So here we go. First one up says, Dark Room Christmas episode. This is from Luke. Jay, listen to the latest episode of Dark Room, the Christmas episode, as it were. Not seen this episode, but I thought that a lot of discussion about the episode and the series in general could apply to many of the anthology shows from the 1980s and early 90s, which seemed to crop up regularly on cable and syndication. Off the top of my head, I can think of several. The New Twilight Zone, Amazing Stories, Tales from the Dark Side, Monsters, Ray Bradbury Theater, Tales from the Crypt, and the new Outer Limits. I've wondered why shows of this nature seem to come in groups. Of course, everything in Hollywood is cyclical, so anthologies become hip and then fade away, only to come hip again. Specifically for the for this era, my thought is that these anthologies, with minimal need for standing sets being primarily shot on backlots and not and no real set uh, no real set save for save for the host, off, offer first run syndicators and cable programmers a relatively cheap program. Additionally, that program could also be used as prestige for the pro, uh, broadcaster through name recognition. This recognition came, uh, could come in the form of the show itself, naming your show Twilight Zone or Outer Limits gets you eyeballs that uh, uh, other titles may not, or for more creative creatives involved, Ray Bradbury's name still had cachet and pay cable shows sometimes had B-list Hollywood stars appear, at least early on. The downside of this approach is the common pitfall of all anthologies, which is that none of the stories are classics. The law probably means that many are just average and some are outright duds. Ray Bradbury Theater is probably the worst offender of this trend. The show is creative with a brand new story each week, but a good many of them are uh, are something of a slog, partially due to the nature of the stories which are being adapted, but also due to the budget constraints that would be uh, ex executed given the time and money available. But yet, multicast over... the uh, But yet, multicast over... The air sci-fi station Comet 
plays BRT, Ray, Ray Bradbury Theater, all the time because there are a lot of them. And there's no content, and there's no content issues, and they make up about a half-hour program very cheaply. In fact, Common will often strip several of those anthology shows together across the week. So you might get two episodes of Night Gallery, followed by two episodes of Ray Bradbury, and voila, there's two hours of midday programming for the entire week. Let me stop there for a second. That's what Sci-Fi Channel did. Sci-Fi mm -hmm. Channel would go get a thing, and they just would show that. I saw all of Monsters, never first run. Oh, I saw it all uh, repeats and on Sci-Fi mm -hmm. Channel. Same thing with um, Darkroom. Same thing with Kolchak. I'm hacked. I saw Darkroom and Kolchak multiple times because they're so short. They just loop it yeah. over. I mean, Luke. Luke makes a great point. The 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 anthology series. Um, you had to be as good as a Twilight as the Twilight Zone was, which was if you had four shows a month, three of them were were great, and even the one that wasn't so great was a memorable one. Right. But what happens here is, like you said. You're going to have too many duds. Yeah. And when you start having a dud and then another dud, then next week that channel isn't on. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter which, which one of the anthology series you're talking about. Yeah. Today's television market where whole season story arcs are de facto norm, even on a 30-minute sitcom, and the prestige shows often cost as much as feature films and take several years mm -hmm. to produce a season, is not conducive uh, to new fantasy horror anthologies. Sadly, the modern comic book market has similarly pushed anthologies into the dustbin, at least here in the U.S., where superheroes have owned the market outright since the birth of the direct market in the early 1980s. I guess it's a good thing that there are there are so many of these anthologies out there to be revisited and discovered, even if they rep uh, re represent a roll of the dice. Anyway, just some food for thought, which came uh, to me while listening to the episode. Looking forward to what you're uh, to hearing about nightmares and everything else that is to come, Luke. Now, of course, nightmares already has come out. Now that we obviously this is from older nightmares is out, and a lot of people the 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 instant feedback on people are like, oh my god, this is the movie I've never seen this, or yeah. oh my god, I've seen part of this on Sci Fi Channel, and I'm like, yes, because they usually show it all the time, and that's one of the great things about Darkroom. No one remembers Darkroom. No one remembers any of it. I'm the one who's been championing this thing for a while. Literally, I was talking with John LeMay, who finds Lost's movies and series. He's never mm. seen it. Now, John is quite a bit younger than I am and, and, you know, kind of thing, which is fine. But for a guy who literally digs up the Lost versions of, like, King Kong and meet Abbott and Costello from whenever, like, he found all these crazy things. He's, you know, I've never even heard of this. I've never, that's what it is. It's, mm. it's completely lost. Um, and for something that you, well, at the time you could find it. Now it's a little tougher, but you, you can always find it on archive.org. Next one up uh, is from Luke as well. It says, I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords. Clearly he is talking about targets. No, it's Empire of the Ants. Jay, Empire of the Ants is one of those delightful and unabashedly 1970s movies which occupy space in my brain due to its freaking rotation on television in my childhood in the 80s. I just stopped there for one second. Yep, this movie was on a lot. Mm. And so... We talk about movies sometimes, you can tell. Like, when we talk about movies from the 80s, and you're like, wow, look at that. This is clearly the 1980s. Empire of the Ants was clearly the 1970s. It was, that was nowhere but 1970-something. You're like, that's 70-something. So I mean, you can usually tell uh, what era it is by the, yes, but, by the wardrobe. Okay, yes. But what I'm saying that is sometimes some movies really wear their yeah. stuff on this. The Empire of the Ants wears 1970s all over it. So um, here we go. Uh, much like fellow 1970s and proud of it animal themed movies, Frogs, 
and The Last Dinosaur. I also associate Empire of the Ants with Superstation TBS, as do I. I am not sure if it was part of the Super Scary Saturday lineup hosted by Al Grandpa Lewis, but I do very much remember seeing commercials for the for the film during NWA, JCP, WCW Wrestling in that era, and that in the 32nd spot, the film looked pretty good. Too bad the running length is a bit more than that. <laughs> the reveal of the queen and her pheromones was hilarious when I was a kid and remains so today. I'd stop there for one second. Literally, she's just farting on them. It's just like, what? Yeah. Like, this is what we... Now, I understand it's pheromones and stuff, but, like, but that's what we went with. Like, you had all these choices, but that's it. It's okay. But you know what, though? If, if the movie didn't have that in it, I feel like it might not be as complete a movie, you know, yeah. kind of thing, so... The use of H.G. Wells' name in a film, as well as Food of the Gods, lends the film an air of credibility it does not deserve. I did what uh, I did want to mention that just recently I saw an even more uh, egregious error example of this trend with the season thirteen episode of Mission Three Thousand featuring H.G. Wells' The Shape of Things to Come from nineteen seventy nine. I stopped there for a second. Good God, was that bad? Yeah. The, the 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 riff. The, oh, sorry. The the oh, misty of it was funny. God, was that movie horrible. And then I said, why have I seen this movie for? They did a riff tracks of it, which was also really funny. But God, the movie didn't get any better. Anyway, um, where are we? Now it, now it has been a way, uh, it's been a while since I've seen the original version of Things to Come, but I do not remember that one having spaceship, robots, cities the, uh, on, the, on the moon, or Jack Palance in a cape. I guess it was hard for Wells to write a Star Wars ripoff back in 1933. Hang on. Anyway, looking forward to what comes down the pipeline, Luke. Now, The Shape of Things to Come from 79 is 100% a Star Wars ripoff. It is trying so hard to be, but it is so bad. Right. <laughs> it is so bad. I mean, the, the, the old, old, the old version. Oh, the original. Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. Uh, it is a classic. Yeah. And but that's not what they riffed. No, so. <laughs> no because it, it, it was taken seriously. I mean. Yeah. The, the, oh, no. Them, this movie is 100% serious. Yeah. But it's got garbage. It's garbage. It, this yeah. isn't even like, like we had talked about Sharknado before and stuff like that. Like Shark, the original Sharknado is a hundred percent serious as a movie. Then they realize this is kind of a comedy. We need to kind of comedy it up. And yeah. then the rest are all comedies. Like the shape of things to come. That movie is right on. It's serious. They wanted to make a serious movie. They thought they were making something's going to make a lot of money. Nope. No. Nope. You want to make, you want to make a movie that, 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 uh, well, a good example of how to go. 180 degrees the other way. If you're trying to rip off Star Wars, come out with Spaceballs. Well, no, no. That's a, that's a parody. Yeah, no, no. But no. that's a parody. No, a, they were not trying to make parody. No, 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 they were no, no, trying no. to make the ripoff. We're trying to, yeah. You're yeah. trying to make it. But I'm saying, if, but if you, the movie bombed. It was, I mean, it was, oh, yeah, it, it was, was terrible. Awful. Right? So whatever, whatever. And they, they, they probably spent a decent amount of money to make it. And it went right down the tubes. But when you come out, if you, but if you, if you, if you really want to keep making money, you can't beat the original. That's why sequels or not sequels, but remakes of, of classic movies, 99 times out of a hundred don't live up to the hype and you just dismiss it as being a failure. If you want to make money, the, the rip, the, the, the ripoff ones like Spaceballs. But no, that's what, a parody. It's, it's not a, a ripoff. Well, well again, it's no, a parody. Well, it's a parody, but again, but when you when you watch well, it, but parody is different than ripping something off. No, okay. no ripping I, no, something no, I, off I, is okay. is is we make uh, Sergio Leone makes um, the three the the Man with No Name trilogy, right? And then we get a million Man with No Name ripoffs right. from Italy, 
the, 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 None Jan- of, the Django. Ones. Well, yeah, but, well, but Django is a different movie. But I'm saying, but like, how many other movies well, they make just like those other ones that are nothing? They're not. They're, they're played straight, but right. they're god awful. No, Blazing Saddles is making fun no. of the western. Exactly, that's what I meant. But it's, making fun is different than ripping it no, off. I, I'm, I was using yeah. the wrong terminology. Yeah. No, but again, I, I I agree with Luke, and uh, you, you know you have you have people you have you have winners on one side and losers on the other. This one was at, at the bottom of the loser pile, yeah, which is why it was perfect for both Rift Tracks and Misty. Exactly. You know why? Because it was cheap, cheap to get. Movie was expensive to make, but cheap to get. All right, here we go. Last one is from Jack Bond. It says, in the dark room, Jack opens with, nope, no memory of any of these episodes. I know I caught one or two of them, but I guess they just didn't stick or were so uninteresting that I didn't pay attention, uh, didn't pay much attention at at first watch. I guess I figured I could watch them again. And if there was anything more interesting scheduled against the show uh, or on summer reruns, wait, what? So, Obviously, they never re-ran it because it ended, so they never had a chance to run again until right. the 90s. Uh, pre-feedbacks on Nightmares. This is where he, so he put, nope, I was unaware of the movie when it came out, and the video cover never caught my attention in the years since. I do have a, a question for you. Why do so why why so many anthology horror movies? I I can I understand uh, horror anthology TV shows. You don't want uh, continuing characters that audiences know will get out at the end of every episode. So why so many horror and horror movies made from short stories? Occasionally we get how the West was won or O Henry's uh, full house or a bunch of Looney Tunes jammed together into a feature, but nothing, nothing to match the match horror or am I missing something? So what Jack's asking is how come we literally don't get like anthology movies for like other genres. And the reason I guarantee you is because it is very hard. Well, comedy would be near impossible to do. Because unless it's something like Amazon Women on the Moon, where there's funny, and, and again, some people are not going to like the way I'm saying this. Amazon Women on the Moon has some funny sections and some god-awful sections. The the opening with Arsenio Hall is hysterical. And then it takes a turn for the worst. Like, cause, cause, but, but that's the problem. Right. It's hard to do comedy very bite-sized, right? Which is why even shows like Police Squad, Right, which are you know then became the Naked Guns. Why are the Naked Guns overall funnier than Police Squad? Well, because you can get away with stuff. It wasn't on TV. You could you know have some semi nudity. You could have you know uh, you know more double entendres and whatever. But not that the Police Squad weren't funny, but that show didn't run long. Yeah. You know, comedy's hard to do, and an anthology series for horror, horror can happen quickly. Things can get scary real fast, and people can die and then go on. Right. The only other options you would have because would be Westerns, but like we had episodic Westerns, you know, that were like the actual like Bonanza and stuff like that. But yeah. like, but, but they're not anthologies. They're no, episodic. Again, it's, yeah. They're episodic and they run Bonanza ran almost 20 years. Gunsmoke ran almost 20 years, you, but you had a set of characters that were either put in harm's way based on the, on the genre or the, they, they had a lighter episode or they they just focused on on one of the uh, yeah. uh, the characters. I mean, that's why like the shows that last ten years, the key is the writing. If if the writing is good and the actors are believable, like give me an example. Um, third, uh, the well, like well, and I'm gonna say Third Rock from the Sun. That one there was was hilariously funny, but it got to the point where they had really run out of yeah, where, options, to go. Yeah. where to go with it, um, and. 
the only but, 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 but these are these are TV series. What he's talking about is an episode, like not episodic television, which is what no. those things lend themselves better to. Yeah. The problem is in an anthology, I can set up. Here's a girl. She meets a guy. The guy turned out to be a werewolf. Bim. I can tell that story right. in 15 minutes. It's very hard to tell a Western story because you're trying to like establish who the good guys, who the bad guys. Why am I, Why do I care about this? Unless there's something tying them all together, yeah. which is one of the main downfalls when you watch like um um. Uh, not a night gallery where the episode, where the, the night gallery tried to do little anthologies and some of the episodes, some of the episodes were longer, right? With singles, mm. but some did the little anthologies. Those don't always work. Why do the twilight zones work? The twilight zone are each individual compartmentalized little things. They're little stories, but they're not, Oh, they don't overstay their welcome. The problem with, with night galleries, some of them ones that hit were good. You're like, Oh, this is a good one, but it's longer. And then some of the real short ones where they're really kind of funny that, Usually the funny ones work when they're short. Right. Like the guy who's going to eat the secretary. He's trying to yeah. get, he doesn't want the secretary to type, but he wants the one who's heavy because he wants to eat her. Uh, he's the cannibal. Um, but like, that's the, that's the thing is it's hard to do that with even horror sometimes. Like the Tales from the Crypt on, on HBO had no rules set on it. Like it's, it's HBO. There's swearing and nudity and right. whatever you man, if I can, if I don't have to, you know, keep on the gloves, Freddy's nightmares could have been really good. Yeah. But that's the problem is when when you have anthology stuff, stuff that's that's anthology driven, each one of them has to hit. And they can't all be the same and you can't repeat the idea. Well, if I tell uh, you know, week one, if I have a vampire story and a werewolf story, I can't come back with vampires and werewolves again in week two. So what do I gotta have? I'm gonna have a mummy, I'm gonna have zombie Nazis, yeah. I'm gonna have whatever. And there's only so many times right. you can do those and things. That's, that's what Doom Kolchek. Yeah. Well, Kolchak though yeah. wasn't anth- anthologies. That at least was standalone episodes. Yeah. But yes, the idea of the monster of the week. Yeah. And people weren't ready for that yet. Yeah, it, it you know be- why? Because it wasn't <clears throat> the thing with X Files was you had monster of the week sometimes, but then sometimes yeah. you had stories that just were that overarching whole story. There was no overarching right. giant story with Kolchak. Right. The thing with X Files is that they kept running it up, and there was always you know what they say you know the the, the truth, truth will be there. revealed. No, the truth and, is and, out there. That's the, the whole thing. Out there, and it'll be revealed next episode. And then next episode, and it got to the point where after five years, you said, "Okay, it's over. but but the problem is they had their monsters of the week when they needed to." Yeah, but yeah. then like, they well, would like have episodes. The Fluke Man episode was great, right? But what I'm saying yeah, is could- that not having a monster of the week every single week for yeah. 30 episodes, people won't get burned out yeah. when you do different things. And there's this overarching story you have to get back to. Kolchak had the only story in Kolchak was that he was not a very good newspaper reporter. Like, that's not much of a story. We knew that yeah. in the first movie, yeah. right? And that, what's his name? Um, Vincenzo, Vincenzo, you know, who maybe you remember him from West Side Story as the cop because he's the cop in West Side Story, which I thought was hysterical. We were watching West Side Story with yeah. Kelly, and Kelly goes, how do I know that guy? I'm like, because he's a newspaper reporter in Chicago. And she's like, what? Haley got the reference. Um, but like, I'm, I'm, so there's no overarching story. There's no, like, Kolchak. Right. And like Men in Black or something like that that's happening where you're like, there, there could be an episode of that. It's always like, it's a mummy. It's a werewolf. It's a voodoo curse. It's a aliens from outer space. It's a robot. Like, and they just ran out of stuff. But when you watch the cold checks, like you kind of know like, okay, like not every one of them is as good as the other ones, but they also were made on like a dollar eighty seven budget, right. right? Darren McGavin is this, he's the glue holding the whole dang thing together. But that's what they were. And that's why I think, um, for those of us who love Kolchak, we love it so much, even though there's been stuff that's come out afterwards, like the books and the stuff like that, they're fine. And again, nothing, again, I've read a lot of them and the, the graphic novels and stuff, 
But to me, Kolchak is just kind of like he he should be nothing but the nineteen seventies. He's the nineteen seventies. Mm. Like this is what he is. The the seersucker suit, you know, the 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 camera. The he it's what he is. He's it's like a slice of that. It's literally. And this was they were both on, and Haley watched them with me. Blackula and Scream. Blackula Scream. There, whether you all oh those are movies are horrible. That means you've never watched them because if you watch them, they're like wow, these are actually really well made vampire movies. I mean, if it wasn't, if they, if the cast was predominantly white and it wasn't set in like, you know, the, the neighborhood is set in, if it was set in like Transylvania, this is a Dracula movie, right? But what happens is you're watching and it's black exploitation. I get all that stuff. I do. But like, you're like, oh, this is, this makes sense. And a lot of this works and this, but, but because people wrote it off because like, oh, it's exploitation. We can't watch it. And Haley's watching. She goes, huh? She goes, I, I've seen, cause she's seen me paint this. She'd never seen. It. She goes, okay. Okay. This makes a lot. This makes sense. Right. She was asking questions about why people were speaking the way they were speaking because they're talking jive at some point, whatever. And she didn't know what that was. And why are the bottom of their pants so big? That was a big one. There's a lot of bell bottoms in this movie. Right. But then, and, and, and she understood that why some of the women had hair that was like, bam, you know, kind of thing. Like, you know, but when you're watching those things, it's a slice of different. But would that have worked in, in like, would that have been an episode and in, in, in an anthology? I don't think no. that works. You need the whole movie to get it there. That's part of the problem. When you look at the best anthology movies, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, the ones Amicus made, those, the stories in them are classic stories. And they're not five minutes. They're given, you know, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes to develop. And are all of them as good as the others? No, but some of them are real good. What was the, I, I, you know, I, I'm, and then think about what Twilight Zone, the movie, yeah. took well, the episodes from TV and just made them into, right? right? But people are like, oh, I know. Because you already knew. Once you saw John Lithgow on that plane, you knew he was going to shatter it up and look out the window because that's what it had to be, yeah. right? Because it's a classic Twilight Zone episode. A lot of the, the those anthology movies, people remember Tales from the Crypt, the anthology, of, and then Fall to Heart. But then there's also... Um, um, hmm, Oh, I totally blanked the other ones. Um, there's Dr. Terror's House that, of Horrors, the one. which is yeah, also, yeah. which is, but people don't remember that one because it wasn't on as much. That one's really good too. Yeah. But then you've got like um, Scream, Screams of Madness, and then you have uh, Asylum. You have all these ones they made, and you're like, okay, they're good, but they're lesser because Amicus took the best stories and made this movie. Then they took the right. next best story, and then eventually ran out of stories. Right. But as, but as a movie, if you take four or five, stories and you put them together and you 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 make sure that, that yeah. every one of them is is got i mean you don't want to have any any duplication yeah. uh, of of a thing but you want to have wow and you want to have wow and you want to have another wow and that's why the dr terrace house of horrors is is amazing because each one especially with the um uh the, the, the cast they had you know the uh, oh yeah well the, okay dr terrace house of horrors had Obviously, but again, well, Peter since, Cushing. Peter Cushing is the is the dealer of the cards. Right, but he's in the other right, Amicus right, ones yeah. too because he was working for Hammer. But they went and got either British actors or American actors. But you didn't have to employ them for you know months and months and months. It was quick. So it worked. Quick. The other one, the Vault of Horror, uh, was seventy three. From Beyond the Grave was seventy five. The Monster Club is not really part of that. That's eighty one. Doctor's House of Horror was sixty five. Um, Torture Garden was sixty eight. The House That Dripped Blood was 71. Tales from Crypt was 72, right? That's what you started getting into. Like An Asylum was uh, 72 as well. But the, these are all the amicus kind of things. And they, uh, um, 
And now the screaming starts is another one. Those are kind of things. Like, wait, is that an anthology? I think that might have been an anthology. Um, but those were happened. Those anthologies, you had really good actors and horror mm-hmm. actors. I mean, they were being Peter Cushing made other things because of horror movies and like right. Donald Pleasance is in there right. and um, Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee's in like whatever. Like, so you start getting really good actors. And you're like, okay. And those guys in a couple minutes can kind of get you in and you're like, I'm in. Right. You know? So. And, you know and, and again, they're made on, they're made for not a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and yet they they made good money in, in in the theaters for the run they had. And then to be on TV constantly um, on, on a sci-fi channel or whatever, I'm sure that the, the, the video sales of those movies, we all own them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, any, any, all, yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. It, so. Sorry, and now the screaming start. I don't think is that that's it's, it's got Peter Cushing and Har- Herbert Lom and Patrick McGee and stuff like that. But I don't I don't remember if that one. I don't think that one is a thing of the wrong. That's not a um, anthology. It doesn't matter. It was made by the same company and stuff. Anyway, so folks, yeah. So uh, you know, it, when you talk about you know, horror anthologies and stuff like that, I mean, a lot of people immediately think of the like, Tales from the Crypt. was stuff like I mean, because that was HBO, you know, and that was like the big one, and it was it ran forever in a day. Um, but even shows like Amazing Stories wasn't anthology based. Amazing Stories was episodic, yeah. the same way that it was. Well, I guess you can kind of call it an anthology. It's kind of the same way that like Twilight Zone was. Yeah, but, where there's but no the, characters week to week. Right. The only thing that was that was common to it was the introduction. Right. By, but by, that's but that's the whole yeah. thing. So so series like that where it's week to week, you know, those kind of things, those work better in the fantasy or science fiction or horror world because it's a quick setup. Here it is. Yeah. Boom. You go do I mean, it. I mean, cause you don't have to establish the relationships between right. people, yeah. you know, kind I mean, of thing. When you think about the amazing stories, the, I was hard to figure out why it failed. Oh. I mean, it was a Steven Spielberg setup and, but the story, well, I know why it failed. no, but again, it, it, he lent his name to the, to the, to the thing. And I think he wrote the first one or had, he was, he was director with the first yeah. one, but as, but then he relinquished that that hands-on role and just kept his name there. And it was often two seasons. And I defy you to find the second season and come up with one that's really good. Yeah, well, because the thing is, the first one was about the train. Right. And that one was, everyone was, oh, my God. But there's a couple episodes, like the Mummy Daddy and um, oh, the, the, air, the, 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 the Butterfly. Pl- the the, but that's it. But yeah. what other ones are those? Right, exactly. Like, that's it. You remember those three because Mummy Daddy is funny. That's and that one would not have been good if it wasn't funny. It's a guy literally dressed as a mummy trying to get to his wife who's having a baby and they keep trying to kill him. Right. But that's it. But I'm trying to think like yeah. Amazing Stories. And I watched Amazing Stories, but then Amazing Stories was on the same night as Twilight Zone. And I'm like, the new Twilight Zone. So I'm like, I'm gonna watch New Twilight Zone. And those weren't any good. No. But they were better than the amazing stories we were getting. Yeah. That's the problem. And anyway. some of the Twilight Zone. Well, some of the new ones were well, good. But they were also ripoffs of the original. Well, not a ripoff. If you own the thing, Dad, it's well, now no. a remake. No, There's okay. a difference. Well, you pay homage, you I don't rip it off. Okay. It depends I, how much money you make. I keep using the wrong thing. Yeah. For- well, the thing is, like, but the, the new Twilight Zones, the one where the woman could freeze time when she stops the war and she yeah. undoes. You know, so she had to live in a world where there's, sorry, folks, this is 40 years old. You can just catch on to it, right? Um, if she unfreezes the world, they go to war. So do we not, what do you call? Yeah. Um, and then, and then, or like the one with the giant spider on top of the, the top of the elevator was, you never see the spider. You never see the spider, but that's what's up there. And it's killing people anyway. Oh, I'll just throw this out there real quick. So this came up the other day and I know it has nothing to do with bots, bugs, and bait, but this, this was funny. And you'll appreciate this. Remember Starship Troopers. Yes. A movie that many people hate with a passion. 
I don't know why, but oh, they just hate it, right? Only because of Cassie Van Dien. No, no, it's not him. It's oh, not yeah. just him. It's because of every other person there. Denise Richards in there. Every oh, single oh, person oh, in the movie oh, they hate, right? But we saw it in the movie theater, and I like it. It's nothing like the book. If you read the book, the Highland book, completely different. But anyway, um, in the movie, you know that we're not, we're supposed to root for the humans, even though the humans are in the book are actually the Nazis, and the bugs are the actual Americans mm -hmm. and whatever, right? But they kind of that. In the movie, remember when they're up on the thing and you have Denise Richards' character and she knows everything and she replots the course they're on for the optimum course. And what happens? They're flying and then they're her and the other guy on the ship, which I forget his name, they're going to start making out. And then the asteroid comes and they have to avoid the asteroid and they hit the asteroid with the top of the, the conning tower. And the asteroid is then sent off in a different direction. What's the next scene? An asteroid hits Buenos Aires and kills all these people, causing them to go to war. I'm putting out there, Denise Richards' character caused the entire war. The bugs didn't do anything because they weren't going to war against the bugs until they attacked Earth. That's the only attack on Earth in the entire movie is the asteroid hit them. Hmm. Just saying, I'm betting her character caused the entire... I could be wrong, but then again, you know, I also believe all the Disney ones were like Little Mermaid, you know, and and uh, Tangled and Frozen are all connected, and Tarzan they're all connected. connected. They are, and Peter Pan and 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 Little Mermaid are also connected because that's Ariel's mom in the grotto there, and then they come and kill all the things. It's Ariel's mom gets killed there. They talk about she beats. That's where she dies. It's in the scene. She's in Peter Pan. I'm just saying. And then Ariel swimming around a boat of dead people, but they're not dead because they make it to the island. Well, it's already known that Entangled, the 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 Rapunzel mm -hmm. and Finn, they're at the coronation. They're in a scene, right. and that's where they're headed to that wedding when their boat crashes mm -hmm. and they die. But they don't die. They wash up on the shores, and they have Tarzan, and they're killed by the jaguar. And then, so Tarzan is the long-lost brother of them. You're like, Jay's a lot of theories. I'm telling you right now, it's all there. The connective tissue is all there. You're going to reach out. You need to go to a symposium. No, no, no. This, but this is not new, Dad. No, no, no. A lot of people believe this stuff. But I'm just saying, I had never thought about the fact that there's literally only one attack on Earth in all of Starship Troopers. It's an asteroid that hits Buenos Aires. And literally the scene before, she causes an asteroid to be off course and go on a different course. It's not hard to make the leap of faith saying, well, but the bugs never attack anywhere else. And what happens? They go attack the bugs, and now you're attacking the bugs, so the bugs are defending themselves. Mm -hmm. Then they capture the brain bug. It wasn't the brain bug, I'm going to kill everybody. He's afraid. Yeah, because you're attacking them on their planet. Uh, who's the jerks here, guys? I'm just saying. But it's okay. They made a bunch of sequels that people really hate. If you think people don't like the original, boy, Starship Troopers 2, 3, 4, yeah. whatever. Oh, God. Anyway. All right, folks. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, this wrap again. This is the the um, end of the July feedback episode. Dad and I are going to talk Friday the thirteenth, the final chapter in August, and then I got Piranha Two coming at the end of August. So we will do that stuff to wrap up the rest of the summer, and then we're trying to get some special guests lined up for some episodes to end out the year. But I don't want to say anything because God forbid they don't come on. Anyway, I think we're good on this, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're looking at maybe what series to do next. We got to figure out if there's a series that needs to be rediscovered. It will not be Amazing Stories. Um, unless I find season two of Amazing Stories, then we can slog through that and hate that because no one liked it. I can't say, I can't find it. I'm sure it's, I'm sure someone's going to say it's on archive.org. You can find it here. And I'm going to sit there and watch how many episodes it was of the worst television possible. So yeah. they were either eight or nine, right? Um, well, I don't know. More, probably more than that. Seasons were at least, 
you well, know, then, well, again, the 20 fact, episodes. No, but what wasn't amazing. Well, Amazing Stories, the first the first year came out right at the beginning of the season. Yep. I thought the second amazing second season was the next up, year. Yeah, but I think it didn't come out right at the beginning of the, of the next uh, season. It probably did. Right, it probably, well, it yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't really want to watch that. I'm just saying is that was that's pretty lost. Um, but for some of you, if you have it, you might just want to keep it to yourself. Anyway, so uh, like I said, Dad and I'll be back with some uh, some Jason Voorhees slicing up some teenagers in August. Uh, so until then, folks, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti. And search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Giaconetti. And you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?